Archimax login confirmed. Welcome to the Lodge. You've accessed the Lodge Cast Experience. Warning, warning. Dangerous spoilers ahead. Enjoy. Episode 116, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Bustin' makes all of us feel good. Welcome to another episode of the LodgeCast. I'd be LodgeCast with me as always is Brother Bishki. Who are you going to call? <laughs> and Brother <laughs> Lucas in the back. <laughs> and joining us once again, fan favorite, host favorite, everybody's favorite, Lodge Mistress Millie. Steamed marshmallows. Welcome. We, we are in the Red Dragon tonight for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Ooh. What the fuck are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> this movie. This movie's been, this movie's an old raggedy can that got chewed on by a goat, then kicked down the road for like two years. Yeah, yeah. what my friend Jonathan would refer to as a legacy sequel, like sequels that came a little too late. Oh, how long has this thing been lingering around? At least 20 years, right? <laughs> Let's Whoa. be real. But this movie, we've been seeing this trailer and we've been hearing that this movie's about to come out. I mean, the pandemic happened, which yeah. got in its kicked way. Kicked it way down. But yeah. then it got kicked way down the fucking road. Yeah. And now it's landed in our laps right now. What is our collective history with Ghostbusters? We all, I'm sure we all love it. Oh, Who man. doesn't oh. love it? One of my earliest memories was having it on Betamax. Hell yeah. And watching the shit out of that tape. <laughs> like, like when I was, yeah, five, six, seven years old. Like, oh, it was repeat. like crack for, for us right in that sweet spot of youth. Yeah. Oh, man. The first, the, the first film is Three and a Half Bones for me. It, yeah. I, I hold it in high regard. It's great production value. Laszlo Kovacs shot it. Leonard Bernstein scored it. Yeah. It's just all, I just watched it last night again. It all worked. It's like Back to the Future. Just everything oh. came Lightning together. Lightning in a bottle. Oh. Truly lightning everything in a bottle. Everything came together. So, of course, they keep trying to replicate it. They, yeah. <laughs> and they could. They didn't do it with two, necessarily. Uh, well, they, no. they like carbon copied it with two. two. Two was a little too late as well. Like That, unfortunately, got postponed by two years at least because the president of Columbia at the time in 86, David Putnam, publicly badmouthed Bill Murray mm, and don't C do that. CAA uh, super agent Mike Ovitz represented not only Bill Murray, but also the director, Ivan Reitman, mm. and then his other colleague, Fred Spector, represented Dan Aykroyd. So they basically told David Putman, like, fuck me, like, no, no, fuck you. And they eventually got him fired. And then Whoa. finally, when the new regime took over, they made the part two, like in 89. Of yeah. course, LT has the hot scoop. Yeah, yeah. I knew that something was up because it should be like a three bone movie, but. But it's probably about but, it's probably about a bone. But it did produce it did produce the Bobby Brown song, which it is, has the Bobby Brown song. It has a couple of Bobby Brown songs, and you have to admit when you saw it at age eight or nine, it fucking ruled. 
Like mm-hmm. we we were programmed to love it. Yeah. But now it's yeah. great imagery with the Statue of Liberty and the your love. Takes me high. Nice. I feel like there was like probably like some McDonald's tie-ins. For sure. There's every kind of tie-in for that. And that that was Ghostbusters 2 is the same year as you know Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and Batman, Tim Burton's Batman. I mean, there was a lot of stuff coming out that year. It was a solid year. But with our 2021 cynical hindsight. It's pretty rough. Like it's It's uninspired. It's a two-bone for me. Yeah, Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It's like when you hear People talk about, oh, if you watch Harrison Ford in Return of the Jedi, you can tell he's totally checked out. We didn't know that when we were fucking three years old, you know, but you look back on like Ghostbusters 2, everybody's cashing a check. They're Mm -hmm. like, okay, all right. (laughs) So that's a closed book. That's the end of the Ghostbusters series. That's all you need to see. And until until 2015, 2016, 2016. Yeah. Ghostbusters. But then later they relabeled it Ghostbusters colon answer the call. Oh. Mm. So, Lucas, you you witnessed that last night. I, I did some what I call <laughs> hard, hard math homework where I I waited till the very last hour like I normally did in high school. You know, it was like 11 o'clock. Cramming them busters. 11 o'clock on a Sunday night. And I said, I'm doing this. I, I need to I need to visit. I need to see the um, the all uh, women cast reboot. Yeah. That. Uh, was kind of a surprise for me when it was made because up until 2014, I was convinced there was going to be a Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Bill Murray, Ernie Hudson reunion until Harold Harold Ramis's unfortunate early demise in 2014. And then even when he passed away, I thought they would still do it in his honor to honor his legacy. And then so all of a sudden for the studio to be like, we're going to just reboot it from scratch. It was pretty shocking. It was like a hard uh, left turn into... uh, like yeah, Cynicalville, really? Because it—I I mean, yeah. Having watched it last night, it, it felt like a soulless endeavor and and not very funny and kind of a mess. And I had to yeah. give it one bone just because an hour in, I wanted out, and there was like another fifty-five minutes or something crazy. You <laughs> know, so like, long. I was like, yeah. no, I gotta, I gotta stick, I gotta stick with it. Paul Feig is incapable of making a, a film with a regular runtime. Yeah, so it yeah. wasn't a great mixture of ingredients. I, I thought it was interesting how they were trying to make it their own Ghostbusters sure. version, but like Kate McKinnon playing the Harold Ramis Egon role didn't work for her favor because she's like such an amazing talent. She's kind of like neutered and like not really funny in it. And like Leslie Jones is hilarious. She's like the star of like her own movie. Yeah. But like er, the great thing about Ernie Hudson was that he was the straight man that kind of grounded everything and made sure. it seem real. Or they whatever. don't have that here. Yeah. So there was no stakes or it was just all silly. And then, yeah, when Kristen Wiig was like, I'll, I won't leave you a second time. I was like, get the fuck out of here. Like, come on. You can't. It's one of those movies. Some heart all of a sudden. It's one of those movies where, you know, they were cracking each other up on set constantly, but it didn't crossover into the theaters Mm -hmm. you know like i'm sure there were plenty of laughs to be had but they were all behind the scenes yeah so that brings us to tonight uh milster do you know anything about ghostbusters afterlife i didn't even know this existed (laughs) that's perfect (laughs) buckle up buttercup (laughs) do we have any (laughs) expectations like are our expectations just rock bottom for this? I mean, yeah. 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 I'm expecting Stranger Things, you know, Stephen King's It, Light, 
Um, we got Finn so Wolfhard. We got Finn yeah. Wolfhard, which is a big downer. But we got Jason Reitman as the director, who like, what if I the, like. The Goonies got a proton pack. And we have Paul Rudd. Who doesn't like Paul Rudd? Oh, oh yeah, he's Paul great. Rudd. But it's not in New York, so that's a downer. It's no. in a small oh. town somewhere. Uh, easier. easier to film. I'm excited because I didn't know this had was a had it was can the can for however many years and I love Ghostbusters and I didn't really like the female remake but anytime anytime there's an attempt at a Ghostbusters sure I'm ready and I'm I'm hoping for the best yes infect us with your love and light and I have so much love and light maybe we'll get a little excited about it a little fun a little camaraderie and a few ghosts and some slime I'm ready. Yes. Yes. No, I've, been, I've, been, we need. I've been dodging and weaving any spoilers on the Rotten Tomato. Yeah. I, I haven't seen anything. I don't know I have, anything. I have no idea what any critic has said or any human being for that matter. So I right. don't know what to expect. We're keeping it mm. pure. Let's mm. climb those sacred Burbank 16 steps, <laughs> strap on our proton packs, and see what the fuck is going on in these cornfields. I'm coming for you, Finn. <laughs> <laughs> going on. Something's wrong. Gloom in the room. Outside is the storm. All alone in the crib. Watching the tube. Yo, is that what I did? Did I see something move? Chills on your spine. Your heart goes to fright. Not to do about the things that go bump in the night. Walk through the wall with no time to We ain't, we ain't, we ain't afraid of no reboots, but maybe we should have been. Who knows? Brother Bishki, before we get into it. Bishki, what's that shots? A one sentence schnapps from Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, thank God. When a single mother and her two children moved to a new town, they soon discovered they have a connection to the original Ghostbusters <laughs> and the secret legacy their grandfather left behind, period. Wow. They're not really helping us out with that one, are no. they? <laughs> We'll have to retread. (laughs) We'll retread lightly. So, okay. That was a pretty full audience. Mm -hmm. I mean, people people were coming out on a Monday night for Ghostbusters Afterlife. It was nice that we were in the Dolby. I'm trying to say some nice things. You know, the, the, the bass was rumbling. The bass was... It was uh, loud AF when I walked in with my pretzel bites and my small Barks root beer vanilla flavor. How were the pretzel bites? Disgusting. Oh, like, oh. Like, It looked like the concessionaire behind the counter was like beating them to death in the oh. box. And I'm like, what is he doing to, the, the, to my box? And then when I got them, he's like, salted pretzel bites. And I was like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when uh, more I more like, like assaulted, and then when I opened the box, it, I swear to God, there was like jizz all over them Ew. or something. It was like slimy and wet, and there was Ew. no salt on them. Maybe Slimer got to them, and yeah, and yeah, I ate like a couple before my stomach was like, stop. Oh, Were they like cinnamon? Do you think I, it was was I, frosting on them? I don't know, but here's what's crazy: is the mustard dispenser was completely empty. This picture a gigantic yellow mustard dispenser. <laughs> So I asked him, I said, can I please get some mustard packets? And he looked at me and he was like, 
we don't have mustard packets here. <laughs> and I said, I said, oh, but the, the mustard dispenser is empty. There's nothing coming out. Move and along, I, and kid. I, and I show him. I start pumping like nothing out, and he just walks away. And I was oh. like, all right. Oof. Morale is low. Morale is low. Thanks. There aren't even labels on the cups. They're just no, white yeah. cups. What it's, was that? It's a supply chain shortage. We're far, oh, we're feeling right. the pinch still uh, from from COVID. Uh, a lot of for help signs uh, or wanted for, want, help wanted, wanted signs. Yeah, <laughs> wanted dead or alive signs. <laughs> At least the projector showed the movie. Oh, it's called Ghostbusters Afterlife. And okay, I gotta tell you guys. None of us were excited about the small town remote locale, right? No. Like no. who who's excited to go out to the cornfield, right? No, no, no one. Saving money. Yeah. Yeah. But I gave this movie a lot of chances and I enjoyed it in the early goings. We meet yeah. the mom, Carrie Coon, who's awesome. The daughter was really likable. Uh, I was sitting as far away from Bishke as possible, but I could feel him seething when yeah. Finn Wolfhard came on the screen. <laughs> it, went, it was it was like Finn light, like he's not in this a ton. He's barely in this, yeah. which which I'll get to as part of the problem later. Yeah, but I thought the the writing was kind of witty ish. There were a couple laughs. The lodge mistress let out a hearty, extended guffaw. <laughs> Which has got to be worth something. Remember that when the bones come around. Yeah. <laughs> but the beginning was charming. It was I, charming. I was, I was charmed. I was very charmed. I thought that there was a good, some good character set up for the girl and her mom. They had a very interesting relationship. Yeah. It was fascinating. It's kind of like Book of Henry style with uh, Naomi Watts and her genius son. Oh, mm. that's a wolf. But anyway. Except now it's the genius daughter. But the mom cares not about anything having to do with intellectual pursuits. Mm -hmm. The mom is just trying to get by and drink some wine and pass out. Like, that's kind of her thing. And uh, that's, I mean, that is interesting. <laughs> That's that's one way to go with it. I mean, you can see the way her character is supposed to arc a mile away. But then you got Finn Wolfhard, who doesn't need to be in this movie. At no. all. You could, He's there to put butts in seats, and he probably did. He probably did. But if you cleave his character out of it, you save a good 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. And the movie would be better for it. The movie is two hours, mm -hmm. solid yeah. hours long. It's a long time to brew. It, it, take, it takes a solid hour oh. to, for the movie to finally start oh my again. God. Oh my God. And it was just, I looked at my watch twice because I was like, oh, when Lucas, is I this movie going to start? Like, can we please just kick into gear The already? pacing is so, so whacked out on this. And usually I try to get like, you know, Lucas is the big pacing stickler in, in the group, usually. We've He's lost our way as, <laughs> as a society of Hollywood movies. I mean, I, I know people like bitch, like, no, you shouldn't complain about the running time. If it's a good movie, it doesn't matter how long it is. It's like, fuck off. Okay. <laughs> movies at the fundamental root are campfire stories that you should be like very short, succinct, and direct and leave us wanting more. Always. Always. <laughs> Don't ever let our minds wander or don't ever let our minds get ahead of your fucking plot or whatever. But like, yeah, man, Monday night, I, I couldn't believe how the mm -hmm. audience was with it more than I was. I was like, wow. Well, the audience wanted to be with it. 
there was a lot of nostalgia heads in there oh, that were yeah. just looking to sip up some sweet, and sweet. Boy, did they get their sweet nostalgia. Uh, oh. They got it. And we'll we'll get to the biggest mother load of that. But on this pacing issue, I think I can pinpoint the exact moment where the movie broke for me and it never recovered. This daughter has a brilliant mind. She's super curious. And she's a skeptic. When someone mentions ghost tour, <laughs> I guess we should mention her new friend in town is this little guy who goes by the name of Podcast, who is a charming presence in the film. I forgot to mention that in the early going. Justin found an action figure and he's like, there's a character in the <laughs> Ghostbusters new movie named Podcast. His name is Podcast. Logan he, Kim plays Podcast. He's always recording his podcast uh, about the occult and, and strange goings-ons. I thought he was he was quite charming. But her friend Podcast is talking about ghosts in the town, and she very dismissively, you know, I don't believe in ghosts. That's part of her character. You're like, okay, she's a skeptic. Then... Paul Rudd, who plays her teacher, another charming presence in the film, a lot to like about this. He shows up and is like, you remember the Ghostbusters back in the 80s in New York? And she's like, no, I don't remember that. That happened 20 years before I was born. Red flag number one. This girl is curious. She does research. She knows about ancient history. She'd know about New York in the 80s, especially considering her grandpa was one of the fucking Ghostbusters. Yeah. She knows none of this. And in the script, it's blamed on her mom not telling her. Bullshit. She would have known all about this. Paul Rudd brings up a YouTube clip showing Egon in the clip. She's like, oh, my grandpa was a Ghostbuster. And then ghostly shit starts happening all around her. She doesn't even react. She just accepts that there's ghosts. Not on camera. Like what yeah, is I felt they botched that transition what? where they go from there are there are no ghosts to there are no? ghosts in this town and yeah. like has the town ever known it before? So when they're doing like a drag race chasing Chomper, like is everyone Slimer. is everyone freaked out? But I'll tell you where it lost me. It lost me when they found the trap and yeah, Paul Rudd's explaining it to him. And it's like, hey, let's open it. Yeah, that's a great oh, idea. Oh, me too, Lucas. And I'm yeah. like, what are you fucking talking about? It's that's like finding plutonium and being like, hey, let's drink it. And Ugh. all the while, Egon, the ghost of Egon, this is another problem I had. The ghost of Egon is kind of just haunting the house, becoming a lamp to kind of guide his granddaughter towards clues as to what he wants her destiny to be, which is to be another Ghostbuster. And they, mm. they don't film that transition either. It doesn't go from like, oh, he, his ghost, he's dead. It doesn't exist. To like, oh my God, he's alive. She and fully, it's she like, fully oh, accepts it. There she's, he is. She's, like, she's, she's playing, always been here. She's playing chess with her, with her, the ghost and of Egon. And they never finish the chess game. They never finish the chess game. But on top <laughs> of that, okay, we're boxes inside of boxes now. But he doesn't stop her from opening this trap and fucking everything up. Is that just because it's all part of the destiny? Well, like it's I all think part he's of his only plan? haunting that dirt farm. Ugh. No, it's all part of the plan to explore all the old ghost Ghostbusters memorabilia. <laughs> Let's check out Ecto-1. Oh, Let's see God. how it runs. Let's see the chair that shoots out of the side of it uh, with the toy that you're going to get this Christmas. And the that seat. is absolutely yeah. true. But here's my here's my last thought on the Egon Ghost for now. He's in her bedroom, okay? Imagine that's the real horror here 
is imagine <laughs> you're laying in your bed and your grandpa, the ghost of your grandpappy, is watching your every move. Yeah. You're a budding teenager. Yeah, they shouldn't have made her a skeptic at all. She just ha have her be another podcaster or something. I don't care. Your grandpa could watch you masturbate is my key point here. <laughs> and that is true horror, and it's not explored in this movie at all. That would have held my attention a little bit. Or comedy, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> the nostalgia runs so deep that they're fighting the same fucking bad guy oh. as the first one. It's well, Gozer no, the Gozerian. Well, in the cold open, in the cold open, I kind of rolled my eyes because, yeah, we don't know who it is yet, but it's, it's Harold Ramis' character, Egon, as an old man driving away from Shandor's mine co. Yeah. And I'm like, Shandor, why does it sound familiar? And then I like vaguely remember it from the first film and I'm like, oh no. Like yeah. we're really gonna have to chop up the old plot to That's exactly what they're doing. And they're ignoring 40, part two. Forty years later. Part two is completely ignored, which fine. Halloween did it. Retcon that shit. Yeah. They just fucking get rid of it. And it's it's the exact same plot. They go through yeah. it beat by beat. No, as soon, as soon as Chomper comes, who I thought was Slimer at first. I thought they were just retreading. His name's Slimer. not Chomper. Same. It's Muncher. Muncher. Oh, and Muncher. Their first ghost that they that they encounter like an hour into this movie. We're not calling any salad dragons just yet. No, but no way. When Muncher shows up. It's like Slimer, it's but just, like oh more God, obese. Worse. But it's an hour in. And like, blue. Slimer shows up a half hour into the first one, I think. But this one is just like, yeah, the, the, it just takes too long to get to him. And then I'm like, oh, we're doing exactly, exactly what we did in the very first one. We're getting the gatekeeper and the key master, and we're doing the whole thing over again. And when the two kids turn to each other without any pre-discussion and just decided that his name was Muncher, they're like, we got to go get Muncher. <laughs> I turned to the lodge mistress and her eyes cast downward and she gave the saddest little shake <laughs> of the head. When I was like, oh my God, they just captured their first ghost and I we are so far into this movie and it yeah. was the, the muncher ghost. I was like, I was so downtrodden. Oh, morale, oh, just morale, so was, low. As, morale was as low as the concession stand workers in, in the yes, theater now. I knew we had so much had further so to go. Much further. I couldn't get comfortable in my seat. I tried pushing the buttons to recline more and they were maxed out. Here's the other thing that really bugged me. This is a small town where nothing happens, right? They mm. establish that. The kids go to this old mine, Wolf Harden and his, and his new buddies. And... Unnecessary buddies. Unnecessary buddies. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag unnecessary buddies. Blur of buddies. But there's like... All sorts of crazy shit down in this mine. Like there's a corpse in a glass coffin, like and, and a replica, Dracula, and a replica of the stairs and the roof from from Ghostbusters One. You're asking me to believe that these teens looking for a thrill did not scour every inch of that mine and find that shit way earlier than this, like, like forty years ago. That's yes. crazy. That is yeah. crazy. I there are leaps that I cannot make. I'll. I'll believe that you're chasing Muncher down the street, but I will not believe that those teens didn't explore that old cave. Gozer's down there just waiting to be reborn. And holy shit, the mom and Paul Rudd become the gatekeeper and keymaster. <laughs> and wow. Olivia Wilde is Zool? I have no clue. Um, I'll look that uh make a note of that later if you can find it. I don't know if it was or not. Just look it up. Okay. I don't, don't want to do it on mission <laughs> fucking Editorial note. Ghostbusters Afterlife. 
we got. Leave all this in. Leave it all <laughs> in. Don't cut a thing. Not cutting. Don't cut. I'll never cut. There's a character named Reseda. Uh, Muncher. Gozer was played by Shora Agadashlu. Okay, so we don't okay. need to, all right. no, 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 so no. There you go. Fair I don't enough. need to cover that. Sorry, I thought that was Olivia Wilde. Uh, omniscient editorial note. Sharae Agdashlo plays the voice of Gozer, whereas the physical manifestation is in fact portrayed by Olivia Wilde. You get the same terror dogs, although I will say it looked like there was some practical effects being used. They did look practical. In the, wa- in the Walmart, it was practical. Yeah. yeah, that was cool. Paul Rudd goes into M- a Walmart. Much appreciated. There's plenty of Baskin-Robbins paraphernalia in the shot. He, <laughs> You can see him holding in front of the freezer for, like, you can see the Baskin-Robbins execs being like, okay, three, two, one, and now he can clear frame. Yeah, in the 2016 Ghostbusters, 15 minutes in, they're eating Pringles, and they actually make reference to them saying that Pringles are like their go-to snack. Yeah. And then the marshmallows. uh, Is that the salad dragon? I don't know. No. No. Well, it was so (laughs) cute. When that little marshmallow man popped up, I was so charmed. Hey, hey, just for you, we'll give it a crouton. Oh, thank you. Salad crouton. So explain to our listeners what happens in this cursed Walmart. So Paul Rudd, after he stares at all that ice cream, goes over to get, what was he getting? He was getting Jamocha some. Jamocha fudge, I think. No, but then he got some blue velvet yeah. Oh, icing? frosting. Yeah. He's looking for some, yeah. for, anyway, for some icing it, and, he's like, and then, he's like red velvet, blue velvet. That was a pretty funny and joke. Then, <laughs> and then he looks over and there is some marshmallows that are like moving around. And of course, like anyone, he leans in to get a closer look. And then all of a sudden, the marshmallow bag pops open and out comes a little tiny state puff marshmallow man. He is so freaking cute. And he walks over and he falls and then his little <laughs> belly gets these little impressions of the of the like circles where in the That's shelf the detail, and yeah. then it disappears and he's so cute but then a million come out and they start to terrorize what's the cooler than one big state puff marshmallow man a hundred little ones <laughs> but, bro. I but what i didn't understand is how come the marshmallows were animated but not any other product in the store yeah. Like it just seemed random. It's it was like, oh, we're, yeah, yeah, we're going to bring back the member berries just for that. Yeah. But nothing else uh, in the store. That's why, Lucas, it's because there was a Stay Puff Marshmallow Man in the first one. That's why. Yeah. That's so, why were those are the so, only things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, oh my God. Fuck this plot, man. Yeah. Fuck it's, the whole ending. Well, there, well, there is no boring. plot, really. That's what's crazy to me. Oh, is it's so long, but like nothing really happens until the very, very, very end. And when it does happen, it's like the shit we've seen in yeah. like 10 oh, Marvel already? movies. Yeah. Bishki, so many Marvel before movies. We get, before we get to the big uh, wilted salad dragon of an ending. Yeah. Talk a little bit about Finn Wolfhard in this. What did you think about his character, his motivations, his lack of using a hairnet in his fucking job at the diner? He's outgrowing his, you know, his looks like he's not, (laughs) he's just, he's just a beanpole now. And he's, they, they realized that they had to focus on the little girl and 
you know, and just kind of make him secondary. But you can just completely, you know, cut him out. Like He's gone saying. for like, a, like no lie, 25-minute yeah. chunk. And then he comes back, and they just show him working on the car a little bit, and then they cut away from him again. And you're just like, holy shit, they're, they're edging Wolfhard out of this. And yeah. he's like a glorified chauffeur for the rest of it. Mm -hmm. True. Really weird that he's even in this. Yeah. But, but his character had no character. His character nothing. was just, no. just all, a blob. All the characters kind of sounded the same to me. Yeah. Like yeah. every single person said a line that you could have interchanged with another person. Mm. Yeah. Kind of sarcastic. It all would have worked. Yeah. yeah. It was just, I don't know. But podcast had a little something special, you got to admit. <laughs> so In episode 46. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's get to the end here. So Shame. They're on the farm. The farm has been... Set up to be a giant ghost trap. Mm. Lots of lights, but very boring. I'm like falling asleep even talking about this. Mm -hmm. the, I'll call in the old weary salad dragon. The salad dragon. A scene in a movie that is so bizarre, baffling, or transcendent that it instantly justifies the price of admission. Or Reese Witherspoon's leafy transformation in A Wrinkle in Time. <laughs> So it looks like they're in trouble. Gozer the Gozerians gaining <laughs> gaining power. And uh, all of a sudden, a proton beam flashes from off screen. And who is it? It's Ray. It's, it's Dan Aykroyd, who we saw in a cameo earlier on the phone. Not just Ray. It's Peter Venkman as well. Bill Murray's back. And Winston to top it off. Ernie Hudson is back. And oh shit! No, oh, a force ghost, a force ghost of Harold Ramis, looking Aww. like PS Five, like PlayStation Five graphics. But he's there in ghost form, helping out. Don't do it, guys. Don't do it. That's oh, wrong. It's let him rest in peace. It was weird. That's the spookiest part of this. It, it was agreed. so it was weird. It it wasn't just that moment either, where he helped him out and then disappeared. He has to reconnect with his family. He, he has moments. <sighs> he has moments, but they don't have him talk. That no, was the can't, that's crossing the line. That's too that's much. That's crossing the streams. Yeah, they thought they were showing restraint <laughs> by not having him talk. Sacrilege. Yeah, he but it's word. even creepier because people are pouring their heart out to him, and he just kind of gives these these half little smiles. these little half smiles and nods. <laughs> hugs Finn Wolfhard. He hugs Finn. He hugs his daughter. He hugs his granddaughter. Yeah, I actually, going back before the salad dragon scene, when the the, the girl and, and her friend, after like an hour in, when they, <laughs> when they finally get uh, Muncher. Bu busted for catching Muncher, they're all in jail. <laughs> They have one phone call, and yeah. the girl calls uh, Ray Stans, played by What Dan a Aykroyd. frustrating scene. Yeah. But what, what kind of grossed me out in that scene was, and I know Jason Reitman was aware of this, and it, the subtext really made me, it was just icky. And, and it's basically Dan Aykroyd's working late by himself, yeah. gets a phone call. And it's someone on the other end of the phone telling him his old friend is dead, which yeah. is the exact same phone call. That Dan Aykroyd got in real life when his friend John Belushi died. Oh. You know, his manager, uh, Bernie Brillstein, called him from L.A. and said John's dead. And he was like in New York at their office. They're like Blues Brothers office, like working on a script probably. And he got that same exact phone call. And like here is Reitman like 40 years later going, OK, Danny, I need you to go back to that day. And I need you to like imagine someone telling you your old friend just died. Mm -hmm. And he's just like you can see the pain in his eyes like these 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 older Ghostbuster actors. 
actors like they, they they have gravitas like dear listener what lucas just concocted should show you how much bandwidth you have in your brain to think about other <laughs> shit while you're watching this stupid movie yeah you can think about the actor Dan Aykroyd's <laughs> motivations and and trauma that he calls up to get a vacant look on his face on a phone cameo, but that that Harold Ramis shit is ghoulish, and then it goes <laughs> so bad, and then it goes straight to for Harold, oof, for Harold, oof, like for Harold, <laughs> like. <laughs> it's starring Harold. Like, you give him, give him a credit. Like it's a grim specter of what everybody's been afraid of is where yeah. we're headed, and uh, we are headed that I know, way. I know. We are headed we're that way. Get the James Dean movie. Dean's back. Yeah. Oh, Marilyn Monroe's going to be back in a big way. Brandon Lee fighting his father Bruce Lee. And oh my so, God! Some mm. kind of like X versus wrong. Sector remake. Lee v Lee. <laughs> 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 oh my god Annie Potts is in this movie though Annie Potts oh, shows up god. early and ducks out Too little of And then during god. during the credits They're like special appearances by And then it lists all these cameos And then it says and Sigourney Weaver With Sigourney Weaver And I was about to riot I was about to burn the place down <laughs> yeah. I stood up halfway I'm like hey, say what? She, did she play Muncher? And then, <laughs> and then we see a little, little uh, cute little scene with her and Bill Murray. Doing it was the, good to oh see her. Man. I would have loved to have seen a whole oh, movie just about so those two, like That's talking right. about the, the first two movies. Yes, just talking, just just, just like on Golden Pond, but it's yeah. just about Ghostbusters. And there's no new ghosts. They're just reminiscing about, about old when, ghosts when there were ghosts. Yeah. yeah, they have such great chemistry. They do. And and I will say that Paul Rudd. And um, Carrie was it Carrie Carrie Coon Carrie Coon had great chemistry. I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize that was Carrie Coon until the end. And the whole time I was like, man, she's like the poor woman's Kate Blanchett. Like they couldn't get Kate Blanchett. She's not like, the poor <laughs> Lucas. You haven't seen Coon shine in her Coon. TV role. Yeah, she's and amazing. That, and that made sense why her husband played a bit part in the movie because he's like a big famous playwright actor. And I was like, what Tracy Litz. Like, yeah. What the fuck is he doing what in this his movie? Bit part? He was the hardware store owner. Oh, that's her husband. Okay. Yeah, but they're married. So I guess they're on location together and they're like, That's hey, cool. have a role. Is there anything else you guys need to talk about? Yeah. I want to talk about how Jason Reitman, you're right. He has to he has to cast like every major name actor, with the exception of Gozer, in these bit parts, like J.K. Simmons plays Ooh, Shandor. Yeah. And he looks like P.T. Barnum when he finally like gets reanimated. Yeah. And and it's just like a blink and you miss it cameo. Like I don't even think he got credit. Yeah. Simmons. Bishki, have you said your piece about Wolfhard? Uh, I'll say it in my bones. Let's go, them Ghostbusters after life bones. <laughs> Oh, Bishki, play through. Play through. Um, well, we were all going to conspire to woof hard this, <laughs> which would require a woof from everyone. <laughs> I don't think we're going to drop that I don't that think we low. can do it. No. I don't think we can give uh, it that much power. Uh, someday, though. Someday. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, if, if is... we woof hard on a Finn Wolfhard movie again, that's going to be amazing. Oh, man. I had a little hope going into this because of Jason <laughs> Reitman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought maybe he would do something new. Like I have, I've been a fan of his stuff, but this is kind of like J.J. Abrams' Force Awakens, like, but much worse, even. Almost, uh, I would say, almost more, even more lens flares. 
Yeah, just like total nostalgia trip for all the fans and slick. We get all the Ecto one and the yeah every every little thing that you want from the originals and all the lines are rehashed. Yeah, um, they say all the lines again. Half bone. Half a bone. Roger Ebert Memorial <laughs> Half Bone. I hated, hated, hated this movie. And why I can't woof it? I don't you know. You can't woof it <laughs> because you know we're not going to woof it. You're going to be hanging out there on a woof branch all by yourself. Oh, but who knows? Lucas is pretty fired up. We'll save that. <laughs> Lodge Mistress Millie, you loved. You love those cute little Stay Puff mm, Marshmallow Men. Oh my men. God, they were at the beginning before they multiplied. And there was a dude in the back who, he was just drunk on nostalgia sauce during that sequence. You you could hear, like, <laughs> his his voice rang out above all others. And he was, it was rapturous ecstasy. He was just like, oh, 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 oh. He was loving it so much. <laughs> that it was almost infectious. Almost. Go ahead. Sorry. I will say there were some good things. There were some things to love in this. You know, I mean, there the, some of the performances. I love the characters of the little girl. Mm-hmm. I like Paul Rudd. I like the mother. What about I thought podcast? That was, podcast was great. Hell yeah. And they were all, you know, to me, very cute, very well written, very interesting. But God, after that first, I mean, when that, after that Slimer Muncher, Muncher. section, I... I was so low. Muncher is really a turning point. For all it just had to subtract bones. And I'm going to give this just a very low score. I'm going to give it a one bone. Ooh, one bone. I don't know if I've ever done that before, but it is. it was just hellacious. That's rough. Yeah. That's the rough. End. From the lodge mistress, that, that one bone is rough. That has to mean that LT is going to limbo under that, but we'll see. Who knows? Sometimes he gets so upset and then he'll be like, but here's why I have to give it two bones. And then he'll have some reasoning for it. So. Lucas, take it away. Yeah, I was just sitting here listening to you all give your bone count, and I was thinking, man, like, what? How would I have cracked a Ghostbusters? You got a live rewrite for us? I think I might have a live rewrite. Yeah! (laughs) Do it live! I'll write it and we'll do it live! I I had a sneaking suspicion that Dan Aykroyd's Ray Stan's character was going to show up to save the day because the the cop like hung up the phone in the jail before she could really wrap it up with him. And that scene was so awkward. You have to do something else. It was too much of a setup where I was like, I know he's going to pull the Han Solo and be like, let's blow this thing and go home. But then, of course, what surprised me was they got Murray and Hudson to join him. And then after they... And Ramus. And Ramus. <laughs> you see how I'm like blocking that out? Yeah, I just can't accept it. But but no, so so after they save the day, there's this brief moment where Bill Murray's character walks up to um, McKenna Grace and is like, nice shooting, Tex, or you, yeah. you, I like the way you ride, or whatever he says. Like your style, kid. And I was like, oh man, that could have been a really great sequel you know, think of Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, like a young, smart girl is like an intern or she like goes to work for the Ghostbusters mm. and it's all mm-hmm. the old Ghostbusters with, sure. some, with some new, younger, active duty Ghostbusters <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> like other comedians or whatever. Sigourney's there. Yeah. Oh, and and you please. and it's in New York and you kind of have it be like, yeah, we're looking for someone to take over. Yeah, type, get it type. out of Oklahoma. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that yeah. was a weird, that was a weird thing. And my other big... Tax pro- credits. Yeah, my other big problem with it, truly, and, I, and it's funny because I'm not a huge like, diehard Ghostbusters super fan where I I feel like I have like a sense of ownership over it at all. But from the very beginning of this movie, I was like, wait a second, wait a second, time out, time out. Like Harold Ramis 
freaked out and left New York to go live on a farm and then had all this revelation shit painted on boards. Like that does yeah. not track for no. me. Like that not does not, like if anything, he would have been teaching on a, on a college campus in like upstate New York and, and Bill Murray would have been like, a, like running a Chicago bar or something. Yes. But I like none of it was really adding up for me. So I was kind of just like, man, and and then, you know, I was thinking back to the 2016 version where I was like, okay, that was the all-female reboot and this is the all-kids reboot. Yeah. It's like, what's next? Like, the all-dog reboot where it's oh. like dogbusters or ghostbusters where, like, dogs are hunting, like, dog catchers or something. Hell yeah. But I I I really, yeah, wanted... It's midnight, to, by the way. Yeah, I really <laughs> wanted to like this and and just go with it. But I felt like the score was doing some real heavy. Oh yeah, like John oh Williams. Oh John yeah, John Williams. Like every, every oh scene was bombastic, and I was like, "Damn, dude!" And then uh, and if it wasn't the score, it was like this needle drop, you know, soundtrack of like pop hits and classic hits. And I was just like, "Oh my god!" What it, like he's trying to make American Graffiti meets you know Stranger Things meets Ghostbusters or something, and it's like not a great flavor, and not enough is happening. So I'm going to give it one and a half bones. One, see, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Total takedown, one and a half. Like, wow. Okay. Love the enigma that is LT's rating system. LT's leading so far. Because I give it I give it a bone for like, yeah, it's the kids <laughs> or the grandkids of, of the the original cast. That's cool. That's a bone. And then I give it like a half a bone for, for podcast. Okay. I'm giving a full bone for podcast. <laughs> one full bone for podcast best character and then yeah half bone for everything else <laughs> <laughs> bone and a half oh man i just ugh. every preview before this movie was a reboot or a spin-off Ooh, or it was a, a sequel it was a nightmare just a nightmare mishmash of trailers before this and it was, one it was fucked up because they'd show you one live action trailer one animated trailer oh, one live action trailer one animated they'd trailer. go animated and then oh. the next trailer would start like rated r for extreme violence oh. and strong sensuality it's like what <laughs> what are they marketing here they're trying to rope in everyone like <laughs> grandpas who love Ghostbusters. Oh no, my parents favorite, who love Ghostbusters. My favorite trailer was, was the Spider-Man trailer because that was the only trailer that when it ended, it had this like voice that was like Spider-Man opening December 1st, but get your tickets November 29th, Spider-Man Monday, 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 <laughs> Spider-Man tickets. Yeah, that was that was a nice touch. You think they're gonna make another one? Like what what yeah, it did fade I, I, into like New York City for like a second and I, then fade yeah. out. Yeah. I feel they will make another one just because uh, they have this thing called the Ghost Core, yeah. like Ghost Corporation, Ghost yeah, Corp, yeah. which yeah. is what was created, I think, in 2011 or 2012 when everyone realized they needed to chase that Marvel Cinematic Universe and have oh, spinoffs. And, Muncher's going to get his own Prequels movie. and cartoons. Oh. So you know they're going to be making more of these. They have to. You know, it's IP. Yeah. More podcast. More podcast. Give podcasts a spinoff. If you're going to do another one, just give them a spinoff, folks. And I also nominate that if we do see a sequel to this, we got to do 4DX. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we got to get the shake and bake. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And fog and Blockbusters, you're, you're fully in on that. <laughs> Good to know you've signed up already. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for, for going with us to Oklahoma. <laughs> to bust some ghosts past I midnight. Was, I was really happy for about the first, you know, 35 minutes. Yeah, we were there together yeah. and then and then it got dark. Mm. Uh Harold Ramis, 
May you rest in peace, May sir. you rest. Please rest. Gonna, rest. I, I think I'm going to go home. Rest. I'm going I'm to watch me uh, the first Caddyshack movie that yeah. Elvis directed. That'll do it. That'll Pick up my it. spirits. Love and light, everybody. Love and light. Love, Love and light. Love and light. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Yo, what it do, Lodge Bustas? Busta Antony here. And to paraphrase our good friend, Mr. Bobby Brown, I feel like I'm going to be on my own with this review. For whatever reason, I am getting the sense that my fellow Lodge Bustas do not share my opinion. And that's that I was thoroughly entertained with Ghostbusters Afterlife. They did the smartest thing that they could have done, which was to not even attempt to compete on a comedic level with the 84 original. I think they were well aware that had they even attempted to outfunny those bros, that it would have been a losing battle from the word go. I mean, I think even the original Horson would probably admit that not even they could recreate uh, what they had with the 89 sequel. So, you know, I think the only way to win this thing was to pivot and take it in a completely different direction with style and tone and essentially make it an Amblin film. And I think that they were successful with that, more or less. McKenna Grace was great. Uh, she carried the film. I hope to see more of her character in other films. And I do hope that there are other films in this franchise. I know that everyone's making a big fuss and criticizing the callbacks and the Easter eggs. To me, they weren't that offensive or intrusive. And guys, it's a Ghostbusters movie. I mean, it's inherently in its DNA. If you want to be mad at anyone, be mad at nerds. I certainly am. I thought the Harold Ramis stuff was handled as tastefully as it could have been handled. You know, I think there is a, a greater conversation to be had about whether or not it's ethically or morally right to use a deceased actor's likeness once he or she or they have passed. Um, but I do think it was handled as tastefully as it could have been handled. Yes, they're trying to manipulate you, but welcome to studio storytelling. Um, I thought it was weird slash cool slash weird again to see you know, the remaining three guys back in their jumpsuits and uh, proton packs. It worked, but it also left me kind of scratching my head, asking myself, did that really work? But it, whatever, it was cool to see them. I'm, I'm not going to lie. You know, I think this was probably the best version of a Ghostbusters 3 that we were going to get. And uh, again, not everything worked, but it worked enough for me where I was pleasantly uh, surprised and entertained. I'm going to give it three Gozer Bones. I also do think that it's one of your better legacy sequels that we've had now that those are kind of their own subgenre. So that's uh, Busta Antony's review. Uh, three Goza Bones. And uh, back off, man. I'm a Lodge fan member. And the memories were lost long ago. So I'll dance with these beautiful ghosts. And the memories were lost long ago So I'll dance with these beautiful ghosts. His name's not Chomper, it's Muncher. Muncher. Oh, <laughs> Muncher.